0: Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Good. All right. Well, it is good to be with you. Uh, as Caven mentioned, something new that we're doing uh, as a way to get connected is five minutes after the service. Uh, we're having a uh, gathering that'll take about eight to ten minutes called Explore City Walk. And we're going to be doing that every single week. And so uh, whether you can stay this week or another week, uh, if, if you would say, hey, I'd like to learn more about how to get connected, kind of what next steps are, a little bit more about what the church is about, uh, we'll be right down front. Like I said, it'll start five minutes after the service, uh, and you'll be able to uh, just learn a little bit more and, and also ask some questions. Uh, also, if you haven't already, and know they mentioned it, download the CityWalk app. Uh, In there, uh, if you click on resources and Sunday, you'll see all the sermon notes and you'll have uh, the bulletin and all the things that uh, give you information about what's coming. And next month is a really, really big month. In fact, you'll hear a little bit more about that later. We've got several new things starting next month, uh, and so it's going to be a real good month, and so make sure you're getting connected. Uh, This Over the first few weeks of our church, we're in actually week four of City Walk Church, we started a uh, series called Unfiltered Jesus. And uh, we started a series basically with the idea that every single one of us, whether you grew up in church or whether you maybe uh, didn't grow up in church, maybe you're investigating faith, all of us see Jesus through different filters. And so we've been kind of walking through that in the last few weeks. And as we continue on in that series, I wanted to ask you a question that I, I would guess every single one of us would be able to say yes to, and it's simply this: Have you ever felt cheated? Have you ever felt that you were something was overpromised and then at the end of it, kind of underdelivered? Uh, I remember when I was in my early twenties, uh, uh, somebody in my uh, extended family said to me, "Hey." There's this company, it's an old uh, clothing company that's kind of restarting, and I didn't know anything about penny stocks, and he said, hey, this is a new a company that used to be kind of a big deal, and they're kind of getting back into things. This is a really good investment, and it's the, the stock is r- literally pennies, and so I can remember I'm like 23 years old, like, oh man, get rich quick, uh, here we go. And so I, you know, my savings account at that point was probably all of about $700. And I remember going to, I didn't even know how to buy stocks or how to, so I looked and I, I found a guy that did this and I went into his office and said, I want to buy a bunch of stocks in this company. And he's probably like, you're an idiot, but he had to be nice to me. And, and so he was glad to take my whatever seven, dollars $800 and literally I just basically paid him that money. To sit down with him for about 15 minutes because it didn't go anywhere. And I remember a few weeks in thinking, wow, this did not turn out the way it was supposed to turn out. I, I feel like I, I kind of overpromised myself and underdelivered in this. A- and maybe you've had some experiences like that. Uh, maybe you feel that way about your sports team. I, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and so this is like a yearly occurrence for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's, we always get over-promised, like this is the year, and then it ends up not going so well except for one year uh, in the history of the whole organization where we won the Super Bowl. But, but maybe you've, you've felt that way. Maybe you've been to a restaurant that your friends told you, man, this is the place to go. In fact, man, this is a great date night, and so you're so excited to take your date there and you get there and it's like, wow, was this even the same restaurant that they were talking about? And you feel like, man, that was totally. Maybe we got them on a really, really bad night because that didn't work out as well as I thought. But for for most of us, at some point in our journey of faith, we've probably felt the same way. We felt maybe, if we're honest, that man Jesus kind of overpromised, and I feel like I've been un- it's been underdelivered because. There's a a group of people and and kind of a teaching out there that basically says this, if you just have enough faith, everything's going to work out really well for you. If you just have enough faith, the the, the sickness is going to go away. If you just have enough faith, the bank account's going to fill up. If you just have enough faith, and there's people that teach this, but you've watched this take place and you're sitting there saying, you know what? My aunt never left the hospital. And my mom's cancer still came back. And and you know what? He still left me and the kids and left us. And, And actually, our financial situation has gotten worse, not better. And because somebody told you and they lied to you and they said, hey, if you believe enough, Then it's all gonna get taken care of. And and, and it's a, a filter that people have taught of Jesus that he's the Jesus that if you just believe enough, everything turns out good. And you wonder is my faith broken? Did I not pray enough? Is there maybe some sin in my life that I didn't know about? What, what's wrong with my faith? Why does it seem to work out for them, but it doesn't seem to work out for me? Is there something wrong with me? What, what's the problem? What was my level of faith A four and you really needed a six to have God really work? And maybe you've experienced that. And for some of you, you've walked away from this whole thing because someone lied to you and you feel like you were overpromised and it underdelivered. And so you walked away. See, this bothered Jesus, this type of corrupt thinking that says, "If I, then God." This is what he came, the unfiltered version of Jesus, to disrupt. Yet today, there's people that literally are lining their pockets and their portfolios with the idea and with the teaching that if you believe it, you'll receive it. The only thing wrong with that is it's totally wrong. It's totally false. And there's not a Jesus like that. But yet, that's the Jesus that some of you have been taught about. And if you're honest, you feel like Jesus under-delivered. Because of what you've been taught. See, hear hear me on this. There's no direct correlation between your amount of faith and God's faithfulness. Let let me say that again, because some of you, somebody's lied to you. There's no no amount of faith that you have that, that basically tells God, hey, you're able to be this powerful if I have enough faith. Your amount of faith does not determine God's faithfulness. How weak of a God would we serve if his power was based on my amount of faith? Like, you're not going to be powerful unless I believe at like a level seven. But yet, that's what some of us have been taught. That's a filter that we've been taught, that we've seen Jesus through. And and let me handle this doubt just right up front. If you're in a painful circumstance trying to follow Jesus, nothing is wrong with you. Welcome to the story of being a Jesus follower. Where Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And this isn't one of those messages that at the end it like gets tied up real nicely with the bow. It kind of, it leaves us still asking some questions. But what's interesting is when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus was all about disrupting the mindset of the religious leaders. He was all about disrupting what some of the corrupt thinking and teaching that people had, had taken in that was false. And, and just like this, he dealt strongly with the idea of why is there pain and suffering? Is it because I don't have enough faith that bad things happen to me? Or could there be another reason? Jesus, in the in the book of John, he, he's dealing with something, and it's something we're going to talk about today. He's dealing with a tragedy of some friends of his that are very close to him. He has a, he has a, a few friends. He, one of his best friends' name is Lazarus. Lazarus is one of his kind of boys, one of his buddies. And, and Lazarus has two sisters named Mary and Martha. Maybe you've heard of them. And in John chapter 11, verse 1 we see Jesus enter a really tough situation that this family's going through. It says this in John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Your, your friend, your buddy, your guy, man, you're one of your best friends, he, he's not doing good, Jesus. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Mary and Martha they're they're really tight with Jesus. Lazarus is really tight with Jesus. Lazarus is not just ill but we find out man he's like on his deathbed. He's really really sick. And so Mary and Martha, they're like, man, we're, we're tight with Jesus. We've watched him heal people. We've watched him take people who were blind and make them see. We've watched people literally just touch his robe and be healed. And we have a front row seat like he's one of our good friends. So, man, we're just going to go get Jesus. And they go get Jesus probably thinking, man, as soon as we talk to Jesus, he'll, he'll just hightail it over here to our house and everything will be better. But Jesus, his response is a little different. He says this. He says, you know what? He's not going to die from this. But instead, this illness that doesn't lead to death is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I don't know about you, but there's a little bit of pushback in my spirit when I read that. Because basically what Jesus is saying is God will use pain, heartbreak, That diagnosis, that breakup, that experience that if you could get rid of, you would immediately. That he will use that to bring glory to himself. And and, and here's what, what he's saying. Sometimes he'll be glorified by taking you out of it. And that's what we all want. Like if there's an issue, like bring glory to yourself, God, but bring glory by getting me out of this. And we're all about that. Sometimes he'll be glorified by kind of taking us around it. And we're okay with that too. We're like, right, we'll pass close to it, but let's get away from it. But sometimes what he does, and this is what he did in this situation, he brings glory to himself by taking you through it. And that's the one we don't like. And so the, the story goes on as Jesus gets this information and as, as he hears about his friend that's very, very sick. Verse 5 says this, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I'm like these are good buddies. So when he heard that Lazarus was not doing well, when he, when he heard that he was ill, he hightailed it to their house, got out the first aid kit and fixed everything. No. When he found out that Lazarus wasn't doing good, he made a reservation at a restaurant and just hung out for a couple days. He, he stayed where he was. You know what? Jesus was literally two miles away from where they were. So they, we're, we're like, on a really bad day, Jesus, it takes you 45 minutes to walk to their house. If you catch maybe an Uber ride, we can get there even faster. And it says that Jesus stayed longer in the place where he was. This is not the filtered version of Jesus that some of you have been taught. Some of you have been taught that, man, if I believe, if I pray hard enough, if I I do these things, then basically Jesus is like a genie. I put the quarter in, and man, things happen. And it says Jesus stayed there. I mean, did he not understand Maybe he didn't hear. Maybe he doesn't love us as much as as we think he does. Maybe the, I mean, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, they're thinking he's coming quick. He, He must not understand. He must not love us the way we think he loves us. If he did, man, he would come and fix everything right now. But yet we see him staying there. And here's why. Because when everybody else is flustered, when everybody else is, is, man, we don't know what to do, we're desperate. Jesus isn't. He's not flustered. He's not desperate. He's not worried. See, Jesus sees a much bigger picture than what Mary and Martha see. He sees a much bigger purpose to this than what they see. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you understand this. When your five-year-old comes up to you and their world has just been rocked because the neighbor took a toy from them, man, you feel for them. You understand, man, you're sad that they're sad, but you're not going to lose sleep that night over it. When your middle school girl that's, you know, 13 years old comes to you and tells you that Johnny broke up with her, you probably celebrate and and her world's rocking, but it's not your world's not rocking. Because you have a much bigger perspective than your five-year-old. You have a much bigger perspective than your middle school daughter. You see a bigger picture. You see a bigger purpose. And so you're not worried when when something like that happens. And that's exactly where Jesus is. See, you've been praying and pleading and believing and God has not seemed to do anything. And Jesus is like, it's okay. I've got this. I see a bigger picture. There's much more to this story than what you see. And so it says that, After Jesus gets this news and after he kind of hangs out there for a couple days, a couple days later, he decides it's time to get going. Verse 7, it says this, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you you sure you want to go back there? See, now Jesus, he's, he's kind of come to this place where for whatever reason, it's time for him to get going. And so he gathers his guys. He says, all right, guys, let's head. It's going to be a two-mile walk. Let's head to Judea. And his, his disciples are like, we kind of like the hanging out here part because last time we were in Judea, remember that, that the whole trying to kill you thing? We're not real interested in going back there. Jesus is like, again, let's, let's get going. I'm not worried about all that. And so he tells the boys, he says, hey, actually, at this point, Lazarus has already died. And he tells them, hey, we're, we're actually going, he's already dead, and, and, and so we're going to get going. And then in verse 15, Jesus says something that, man, will probably rub, rub you the wrong way. Look, look what Jesus says in verse 15. It kind of seems insensitive. He says this, He's just told the the boys, his disciples, that, hey, Lazarus, he's he's not just sleeping. He's gone. He's dead. It's over. And then he says this, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. I bet Lazarus isn't glad. So that you may believe. So let us go to him. So I mean, Jesus literally, he might have thought it, but really going to say it? He says, you know what, I'm actually glad I wasn't there when he died. I'm glad that I I didn't want to be a part of all that, and I'm glad I wasn't there. And and I don't know if if the disciples, the guys around him, kind of gasped like, what? Why would you, don't say that out loud. And John's over there writing this down so people can read it 2,000 years later. John, leave that part out! John writes it down, And, and Jesus says, you know what, I'm glad that I wasn't there. See.'" Jesus will stop at nothing to expand our trust in him and show us that there is purpose where we don't see purpose. And for some of us, if we're honest, there's a little bit of pushback in us. Like, what about that, those things that seem to be meaningless pain and suffering? Like, yeah, I get it, there's some, there's some suffering and some pain and some difficulty that, that leads to some good things and growth, and yeah, I get all that, but, but isn't there some stuff out there that just seems to be meaningless pain and suffering? What are you going to do with that? And, and maybe there's some pushback in your spirit when, when you hear somebody say that Jesus will, will go to great lengths to expand your trust in him, that he has a purpose, and you're like, but have you seen the news? And, and here's what I would say, for, for, for some of us, we need to think about this, it takes a lot of blind faith in our cognitive reasoning to say that because something is pointless to me, it's pointless, period. I mean, it, it takes a lot of blind faith in my brain to say that, hey, because it seems pointless to me, it's pointless, because every single one of us has things in our life that we've gone through that have been tough things and we see points in that pain. We see how good things have come out of it. Well, could it be if, if there is some things that li- my little brain can figure out and see some, uh, some points in some pain, could it be that an infinite God could see point in all pain? Could it be that if my little brain can see how God uses pain in some circumstances, could it be that an infinite, all-powerful God could see a point in all pain? And again, it takes a lot of kind of courage and really kind of pride in myself to think that in my little brain, I can figure this whole thing out. In my cognitive reasoning, I can figure all this out. And Jesus is, is saying, you know what? There is something bigger to this pain. And so Jesus, he takes his guys and his disciples and they head literally the 45 minute walk. And end up by the time they get there, Lazarus has been dead about four days. So, man, he's in a tomb. He's wrapped up, stone in front of the tomb, like he's gone. There's no viewing, there's no funeral. Jesus shows up after all that stuff. And when Jesus shows up, as he's on his way there, and again, it wasn't a long walk, Lazarus has two sisters, remember I I mentioned them? Mary, who's kind of like the activist. She's like, get it done, if there's something to do, I'm gonna go after it. And then there's Mary, and she's more like the contemplative person. So Martha, when she hears Jesus is coming... She's not sitting around. She's not going to wait for him to get to her. She heads out. Like, I'm going to talk to him, find out what's up with this. And so it says, Martha said to Jesus, as she goes out and she, she wants to know what's going on, why you didn't come. She says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It doesn't make sense, Jesus. Why didn't you come? And then she says this, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So you see Mary just, or Martha just wrestling. She, she's wrestling with the, this, this hurt inside of her like, Jesus, I've seen you heal people. I've seen you command nature and it obey. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you show up? Why did you let us down? But on the other side, in her mind, she knows whatever you want to do, you're going to do. So she's wrestling with faith, and she's wrestling with doubt, and you see it right there. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's like, I get theology class, end times, one day he's going to rise again. I understand that, Jesus, but what about now? Jesus said to her this, I am. See, Jesus, when he makes his promise, the promise is not that it will be pain-free. The promise is that he will be. He will be what? Whatever you need. He He says to Martha, in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of your wrestling, in the midst of your pain, I am. I am comfort, I am peace, I am courage, I am whatever you need, I am. And and as Jesus continues to talk, he says this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus says, I am everything you need in your wrestling, in your hurt, in your doubts. I'm here. I am. I'm all sufficient. I'm everything you need. And and he asked Martha, so Martha, do you believe? Do, do Do you understand? Do you believe this? And he wasn't asking her if she believed because if she didn't believe, he couldn't work. He's just saying, do you get this? See, you, you may have been wrestling with, with something similar to this. And you, you've wrestled with, you know what? I think I believed and I, I think I believed enough. And, and it doesn't. I, I still have questions. I don't know why it still went south. Why this thing didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. I, I thought I believed enough. And, and here's the truth that really sets the filter of Jesus that says, if you believe it, he'll do it. It sets it on its head. And, and here's the simple truth. It's not the amount of faith that matters. It's the object of your faith that matters. It's not how, how much do you believe, but who do you believe in? And what Jesus was saying to, to Martha is, Martha, do you believe me? Do you believe me? See, if Jesus chooses to take you through it, he is whatever you need him to be. And so the story continues. So Martha talks with Jesus, and now she heads back, and and she talks to her sister. Remember Mary? Mary's the more contemplative one. She's the one uh, that probably was an artist. I mean, like she was that type of person, very contemplative and she, she goes and Martha says, hey, Jesus is here and he'd like to see you. And so Mary's about to take her turn. Like She's like, all right, let me go talk to him. And it says this, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, Jesus, why? You, you could have changed this. And it says this, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. You know what that, in the Greek, basically what it says is Jesus was angry. Like what? What? Why would Jesus be, he sees Mary just weeping and broken. He's just talked to Martha and she's broken and weeping because of the loss of her brother. And now all these other people are there to kind of comfort them. And he just sees this mass of people that are so broken. And it says in his spirit, he's so greatly troubled. He's literally angry. Why are you angry, Jesus? He's angry at the results of sin. He sees what's taking place and he knows, even though he knows he's the answer, he knows the future, he knows what's going to happen. Jesus cares so deeply and it bothers him to see how sin has caused death and has caused hurt and he's angry. And then it says this, as as it continues, it says, and he said, where have you laid him? Where's your brother buried? They said, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, Jesus but Jesus, you knew what you were about to do. Like, why are, you, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? And here's what you need to know about Jesus. Though he's all-powerful, though he can do whatever he wants, and he's about to do something pretty crazy here in this, in this story, Jesus cares. He's empathetic. He loves you. When you hurt, he hurts. Though he knows, man, what's going to happen in the end, it bothers him when you're hurting. You have a heavenly father, the Bible says, that understands, that's been to earth, that's lived here. Most likely, we don't know from the Bible, but just from history, most likely Jesus's dad, Joseph, probably died when he was a young man. And so Jesus understands And so as he sees these people broken, it bothers him. He's hurting. He weeps with them. See, this was so different from the Greek gods that these people knew about. These gods that were far away, that were never like them, that that were kind of out into their own thing. This is a a God, and Jesus is a God who, the Bible says, is God with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. He is with us. He feels with us. He understands. When you come to him broken, he knows. And so he literally weeps with them. And he, and he asks as he gets to the tomb, and he, you know, he's, he's weeping with them, and he's understanding, he's empathetic. He says, hey, go ahead and move that stone away from the, the mouth of the tomb. And you have a little funny moment in the story where one of the sisters says, Jesus, you realize he's been dead for four days? And you know, it, it's not, you know, 2019 where you can keep somebody's body like halfway decent for a few days by putting stuff in them like, he smells. It's, it's going to smell really bad when we do this, Jesus. And he's like, go ahead, you know, get the potpourri out, but go ahead and move the stone too. And, and so he, he moves, has him move the stone and then Jesus, and I love, I love that he does this. He just prays to his father. Like, God, thank you for what you're about to do. And then literally, when, when he's done praying, he just, and he says, he kind of yells it, like kind of loud. He just says, Lazarus, come out. And he says it really loud. One commentator said he had to say Lazarus because if he would have just said come out, a bunch of dead people would have gotten up. But, but he says Lazarus, I mean, which wouldn't have been a bad thing, but Lazarus, come out. And then all of a sudden, and, and back in these days, man, they wrapped people like a mummy so that your boy couldn't walk very good when he was coming out. I don't know if he was like kind of hopping out. But all of a sudden, here comes Lazarus hopping out of the tomb. And I don't, I mean, in, in heaven, if there's like a, like Apple TV in heaven where you can kind of look back at some movies, if I can rent this video or whatever, I want to see what this was all, what, what this all looked like because Lazarus comes out and Jesus tells the, the people around him, hey, get the grave clothes off of him. Hey, I wrote, raised him from the dead, but man, it's your job to get the grave clothes off you. And there's a whole other message in that right there, because sometimes Jesus frees you, but he still says, quit walking around like you're enslaved. Get the grave clothes off. Take them off. He's good. He won't even smell bad. And so that's exactly what happened. He he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus comes out of the tomb. They take the grave clothes off, and Lazarus is free and alive. And Jesus all along knew what was going to happen, but yet he still felt deeply, but he felt with confidence because he knew what his father was going to do. And so as as we kind of bring it back to ourselves, so when we have pain, suffering, the diagnosis, the breakup, the financial difficulty, you fill in the blank when those things come our way, we've got a few options. One of, our, one of our options is simply to do this, just to abandon faith in Jesus. Like, man, when I signed up for this thing, I signed up for kind of the Bed of Roses version of Christianity, and this doesn't seem to be going well, so I'm out. And that's one. hey, you can do that. You can choose that. If that's what you want to do, that's one of your options. Another option when you you face pain and face suffering and and face tough times is you can, and we're really good at this, minimize your pain. You just kind of act like it's not a big deal. Maybe you mask it. You minimize it by masking it with maybe addictions or with habits or with things you just fill your life with to kind of minimize it. And you, you can do that. We're all good at that. Or you can wrestle through it. See, some of you, maybe even right now, you're wrestling and you're saying in your mind, Jesus could, but he didn't. Or Jesus could, but he hasn't. And you're wrestling. You believe, but you doubt. You believe, but you doubt. And and honestly, you're afraid to even enter a place like a church because, man, are you even allowed to to wrestle in church? You should be able to. You should be able to ask why. Why? You should be able to wrestle with your doubts. You should be able to ask questions. Because if you, if you look in this book, all throughout this book are honest questions from people throughout history. If you read through the Psalms, you read a lot of what David wrote. I mean, David was a man that God said, this is a man after my own heart, but yet you see David wrestle with God. Literally, one verse he's doubting and he's like, let's just end this now. Let's kill all my enemies. And then the next verse he's like, but I believe, and Lord, give me joy and help me to walk with you. And you see it all throughout scripture. See, it's okay to wrestle. See, Jesus isn't, he's not concerned that you're wrestling. He's not concerned that, hey, today you don't have quite as much faith as you had yesterday. Because he's not worried about how much faith you have. He's worried about who you have faith in. And honestly, he's not worried. But, but that's really what he's concerned about. Is not, hey, does she have enough faith today? Okay, she does. And I'll, I'll, I'll get off the couch and I'll actually go do something for her. No, that's not what he's like. His focus is on the object of your faith, not the amount of it. And so I want to tell you, if you have walked away from Christianity or you have walked away from the church because of a filtered version of Jesus that said, if you believe enough, he'll do for you, you walked away from a Jesus that doesn't exist, and I want to invite you back to a Jesus that you can wrestle through things with. Because that's who Jesus is. And if somebody lied to you, I apologize. Because they maybe had good motives, but they didn't tell you who Jesus really is. And so how, the story is, as, as it comes to a close, after Jesus has, has he see, raised Lazarus from the dead, man, everybody's celebrating. It says this in verse 45, as Jesus kind of puts a close to this, it says, many of the Jews... Therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Oh, so, so that's what you were trying to do, Jesus. So, so you're telling me that this pain, this suffering, this difficulty that, that my family went through, that there was purpose to it? That there was a therefore in the story? And Jesus is saying, this is what I was trying to do. All these people that gathered around to support you and comfort you, Mary and Martha, through the loss of your brother, now they saw my work. They saw what I did. And it says many of them left believing in Jesus. And now 2,000 years later, we're still telling the story. So there must have been a bigger purpose to this whole thing than what Mary and Martha understood when they sent somebody to get Jesus to come fix this thing quick. See, I don't know about you, but some of the darkest days in my life have been some of the days that have birthed some of the most amazing things in my life. I would say five five years ago, the seeds of City Walk Church were birthed. In some of the darkest days of our family, as I sat across the table with a counselor weekly for months, struggling, failing, and, and, and wondering, man, all my, the plan I had for my life, Jesus, and the direction that I was going, man, you totally basically took that whole thing away. And I can remember one of the verses that my counselor, his name was Dustin, and hopefully one day you'll get a chance to meet him. Maybe he'll preach here. Uh, He lives in Indiana. One of the the verses that he shared with me over and over again, almost annoyingly, he shared it with me so much, is Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, he shared that verse with me because he wanted me to see that all this stuff that you're going through, much of it because of your own mess ups, has a purpose. And, and the purpose is, you don't have to wonder what the purpose is. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's the purpose. God says, my goal for you is that you look more like my son Jesus. And so as you go through good times, I'm going to use those to conform you and make you look like my son Jesus. As you go through difficult times, I'm going to use those things to make you more like Jesus. That's my goal for you. That's what, you, that's what God says to us. And and here's what you need to know. The scars you carry are a reminder to you and a testimony to others of who carried you. It's a reminder as I look back five years and think, man, my world was turned so upside down five years ago. I look back with scars and I'm so thankful for what God did in my family, in my marriage during that time. And it's also a testimony to other people that are going through things when I can say, hey, look at this scar. Look at, look at what, I, what we went through, and let me tell you what God did, how God used it, how this church was even birthed. The seeds of it were birthed during that season. See, you wouldn't choose to go through it, but in the end, you wouldn't trade it. You, if you've been through something, you understand that. Like, I'm not signing up for it again, but I look back on it now and I think, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything because of what God did during that tough time. So you can't always ask, answer the question, why? You, you won't, you, we may not, I until the end of this thing, we, we won't have all the answers, but here's what we can know. He loves us. He's for us he has a plan. He has a purpose. It's bigger than what we know, and thank God it is. There's a lot more to this story than what we even know about. And so the promise is not that pain won't come. The promise is this. Jesus says this, I promise if I ask you to walk through it, I'll be with you. Jesus says, I promise I'll use it if I ask you to walk through it. I will not waste pain. We know that. And so, what's the way forward? The, the way forward may simply be for you to acknowledge what you're wrestling with. Like, it's okay to wrestle with it. It's okay to, to argue with me, even in your head right now, with something you're going through. It's okay to wrestle. Acknowledge, man, God, I, I have faith, but man, I, I don't understand why. And I'm wrestling. It's okay. Acknowledge that. But then also declare what you need from Jesus. Like, Jesus, this is what I need today. I'm wrestling with this. I don't have all the answers, here, but I need you today. And here's what he says. He says, I am. I'm able. I am with you. I am good I am the resurrection and the life. I am whatever you need me to be in this season. And I will be that as you walk through this. I promise you. And we we, we know we can trust Jesus. And here's here's what we know in the end. We know that even if we don't experience in this life the answer to where are you God, One day, he's going to answer that with a resounding, powerful answer. When he comes back and he handles and sets right all that is evil, and he comes through with all the things he promised his kids, and we believe that, and there are people that even the Bible describes in Hebrews chapter 11 that says literally this, it says they died before they received the promise. They died before what they had faith in even came to pass. They died still looking towards what they believed in. And one day, what they believed in will come to pass. And so as, you, as we kind of close this up, my, my encouragement to you is do not wrestle alone. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris... I've been kind of investigating faith. I'm, I'm not, not really a Jesus follower. My encouragement to you, don't wrestle alone. man. start a relationship with Jesus. He, he's maybe a lot different than what you've been taught. And, and he will bring you comfort and peace in the midst of some hard times. And I'm telling you this, it, it does, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean it's going to get better but I promise you this, while you're going through it, he will be with you using it for something bigger than you. And so, man, start a relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like, like how would I start a relationship with Jesus? It, it's pretty simple. Are, are you willing to admit to God that, you know what? I don't have it all together. I do sin. I have disobeyed you. I've messed up some things in my life. Are you willing to do that? Are, are you willing to believe that when Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave that he did that for you? And then are you willing to just come to him and say, I- I'm no longer trusting in myself and, and my good works to kind of get me to have a relationship with you. I'm coming to you and I'm accepting what you did for me on the cross As my payment for sin, I want a relationship with you. You willing to do that? Maybe you're somebody that already has a relationship with Jesus. And for you, this idea of not wrestling alone is is this something as practical as, hey, writing a prayer request on your card and turning it in and letting us pray with you. Letting us serve you by praying for you through this time. It might be connecting in a community group where you say, hey, man, I'm not meant to wrestle alone. I want some people around me that are going to lock arms with me and help me through this. And I want to do the same for other people when they're struggling. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we we close. As I told you earlier, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is not a message that kind of Wraps up real cute at the end with a nice bow on it. We didn't answer the, you know, hey, this is what I'm going through. When's it going to end? We, we, we can't answer that. But, but what we do know is that Jesus is for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a purpose for your pain. And he wants to be what you need him to be through this season. And my encouragement to you is that you would not wrestle alone. And so maybe you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're, you're here, and, and if you're honest, you say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I came in here kind of investigating faith, and I, I don't have it all figured out. Well, neither do we. But you don't have to have it all figured out before you can have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to have your life cleaned up just start a relationship. And so in the quietness of this room, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, that's me. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I don't want to walk through life alone. Just in the quietness of this room, you can just talk to God in your heart. You, You can in your heart just admit to God that, man, I have messed up. I have sinned. I have disobeyed you. You, you can believe in your heart that, man, Jesus, when he died and rose from the grave, he did that for you. And, and you can call on him and say, man, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, that's what I want to do, just in the quietness of your heart, would you just say something like this to God? Would you say, dear God, I admit that I've sinned. I admit I've messed up. Just tell him, just in your heart. Say, God, I I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for me to pay for my sin. I, I believe that. And then just tell Jesus, Jesus today I'm coming to you. I don't have it all figured out. I've got some messed up things in my life, but I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to enter my life and change me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, man, I prayed and I asked Jesus to start a relationship with me. I don't want to embarrass you, but would you just lift your hand? By lifting your hand, you're saying, Chris, I prayed and I asked Jesus to start a relationship with me. Anybody else? Just just raise your hand just saying, hey, I I started a relationship with Jesus. That's great. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you have been wrestling alone. You've been minimizing the pain that you've been going through. You've been trying to hide it. Your pride has really pressed you to hide it from other people. And maybe for you this morning you're just saying, you know what, the decision I'm making today is I am not going to wrestle alone anymore. And I I want someone to pray for me. I, I want people to help me. And that's what we're here for. And so if you're here this morning and you just say, hey, Chris, would you pray for me as I just am wrestling with something and I have some questions, would you just pray for me as I wrestle through these questions? Would you just slip your hand up? Just all over the auditorium, just slip your hand up. Lord, I thank you that uh, we don't have to wrestle alone. Lord, I, I thank you that even though on this side of eternity, we won't have all the answers. We won't have everything tied up nicely. Lord, we know that as we go through things, that you are with us and that you are what we need. And God, I pray for these that have said, hey, I'm wrestling with something right now, Lord. I pray that they would lean into you as the area of their focus, as the area of their faith. And Lord, on their good days and on their days where they're wrestling, that you would be close to them. Lord, I pray that they would not do this alone. Lord, I pray they they would let us know that we might be able to help them in any way possible. Lord, thank you for those that raised their hand this morning and said, hey, today I started a relationship with Jesus. I wanted a relationship with Jesus. I do not want to walk alone anymore. Lord, I thank you for those that made that decision. And Lord, I pray that we would now be able to go about helping them as they start their new walk of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.